You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits. What is up, rookies, and welcome back to the Upland Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Will Larson, and as always, this is presented by Upland Brits. Well, true confession, guys, sometimes these intros take me a couple times to record. (laughs) Yes, I do several takes. I'll get about halfway through. I don't like something. I mess something up, and I start over. True confessions of a podcaster, but... I'm going to make a vow to you today. This is take one, and I'm only doing one. So here we go. Thank you to my sponsors. First off, Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food. If you want to get everything your dog's got, then you need nutrition that holds nothing back. To help unleash your dog's maximum potential, check out the new Yukonuba Premium Performance lineup at yukonubasportingdog.com. Also, thank you to Trinity Bretons. Trinity Bretons now offering the Trinity Upland Academy to help each Trinity Breton client attain and develop the highest level of training available with George Hickox. Trinity is committed to producing premium Epignol Bretons for the field trialer and foot hunter alike. Angels in the home and demons in the field. Check them out at trinitybretons.com. Also, Josh, great job on the new website. It looks awesome. Want to thank a brand new sponsor, Week One Pointer Traditions. Yes, Pointer Traditions, always on point. Check them out at pointertraditions.com. They have some of the best uh, collars and bird straps you will find on the market today. Pointer Traditions bird straps are possibly the most durable bird straps currently on the market. Handmade in the USA, these bird straps are made from a PVC coated webbing instead of traditional leather. The straps feature solid brass hardware that will not rust when exposed to the water, any kind of weather or elements, and the PVC coated webbing is waterproof and resistant to mildew. Guys, I got two collars coming from Pointer Traditions in the mail very soon, and I am so excited to get my hands on these, get them on uh, my dogs, and uh, I'm, I'm very excited to let you know what I think of them. I'll post some pictures, but these are killer-looking collars uh, that come with a free brass nameplate, and they are just tough as hell. So, Pointer Traditions, check them out, pointertraditions.com. Also, last but not least, I want to thank Cable Gangs. Cable Gangs, Brennan Landry is on fire. Just dropped a new logo uh, for his his company, and we have a killer giveaway coming uh, with Brennan and Cable Gangs, so stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe to uh, my Instagram page, uh, The Upland Rookie Podcast. That's it, at the Upland Rookie Podcast. (laughs) And you will find out all the details on a killer giveaway I'm teaming up uh, to do with Brennan over at Cable Gangs. 
Okay, rookies, here we go. We are jumping into episode 18. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for sticking with me uh, over these last several months as this podcast has uh, got up and going. Uh, really just wanted to say a quick moment of just thank you uh, to every person uh, who's been encouraging me along the way, supporting the podcast, sharing the podcast. Um, every review that you guys leave on Apple Podcasts, I am reading those. And um, I, I hear and I can feel the stories and the words that you're putting behind these uh, private messages that you'll send me and just tell me how this has inspired you maybe to, to get a new dog or to get out and train more or to hunt a new state this year. Um, those messages have really, really meant a lot to me. Um, I don't want this to go over or unlooked or overlooked. Um, I just want to say thank you guys for supporting the podcast, sharing it, you know, all the things that you're doing uh, really has meant a lot. Um, and the support has has truly blown me away. I didn't think um, there would be this much excitement and involvement around the show. Um, so thank you so much uh, for tuning in. I, I will shut up and stop getting <laughs> too sappy again. Last couple episodes, just kind of sharing my heart with you. But um, just wanted to let you know that I appreciate each and every one of you. So uh, guys, episode 18, I got a good one for you. Uh, I sat down with Upland, Arizona, or Team Upland, Arizona, I guess. Uh, I sat down with uh, Trey, Jimmy, and Josh uh, over there, and man, we have a good time uh, just chatting bird dogs, quail hunting in Arizona, uh, definitely talking about, a lot about gear. We do chat about, uh, well, very briefly, pointing labs. Uh, so if you own a pointing lab, um, I'm just going to say you, you might want to skip to a different episode. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, gets a little dicey towards the end, but <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of kidding, but not really. Um, anyways, these guys, uh, we also dive in. They are doing something really cool. Uh, they're doing a, an Upland vest review. So they've collected pretty much every vest, kind of the big name vest uh, companies that are on the market. Um, and they are compiling an in-depth review. Um, as of right now, they haven't released that full review yet, but on this podcast, we actually dive in and get some of their early thoughts um, on each of these vests. Um, they, they got the Wingman Pike, the Q5 Centerfire, the uh, Final Rise uh, vest, as well as Wingman Pike. There's, there's one more I missed. Oh, Chief Upland, sorry. Chief Upland vest. So they are, uh, they're diving into uh, all four of those vests. So we get an inside look to what their in-depth review will look like. We'll get to hear a little bit more about that. So you are not going to want to miss it, uh, especially as season is coming very, very soon. Uh, you, you won't want to miss uh, kind of if you're if you're in the market for a new vest, um, this will be a really good episode to tune into. And if you have any questions for me as well, uh, I'm rocking the final rise vest. So if you have any questions, let me know. <laughs> Again, I'm kind of biased. I'm not sponsored by Matt Davis or Final Rise. I'm just passionate about the product that he makes. So just want that to be clear. Uh, but really fun episode. Okay, what I wanted to get in and talk with you about before we jump into the conversation is travel plans. So travel plans is a big thing. Um, and just uh, yeah, I'm just going to talk about travel plans, especially um, hoteling it or camping when you are traveling out of state for a hunt or even in-state, to be honest. Um, I'm just going to walk through some of my uh, thoughts, Brad process, as I'm planning for a hunt uh, coming up here because we are less than 30 freaking days away from the start of the Upland, Lucy, uh, Upland season. So um, here we go. We're just going to dive in. I'm shooting off the cuff here. Um, 
making plans out of state. I, depending on the weather, uh, I'm going to choose to camp versus a hotel generally, again, depending on the weather. Uh, so let's jump to weather. Um, if it's really, really cold, we're talking November, December, Colorado, Nebraska, Kansas, whatever that might be, I'm, I'm going to freaking motel it, hotel it, holiday in, whatever you call it. Um, and that's just what I'm going to do. I'm comfortable, I'm warm, <laughs> I'm cozy. That's, that's a preference. Uh, but let's talk about early season and I'll, I'll come back to kind of late season hunt uh, as well based on the temperature. Uh, so early season, my, my first hunt here coming up, um, I am planning on camping. So a downside to camping, um, okay, I guess a pro is it's cheap. You pay 15 bucks, 12 bucks a night, you know, for a campsite. If that, if you're camping on BLM land, uh, I think most BLM land, check with your regulations, um, is free. You pitch a tent wherever on BLM land, Bureau of Land Management, by the way. Um, so, that's, that's pretty freaking awesome. You're not spending 50, 60 bucks on a hotel or motel, something like that. Um, you know, again, it's all your preference, what you enjoy. Do you enjoy the outdoors? Do you enjoy that experience? Do you have the gear? If you don't have the gear, yeah, it might not be worth going out and buying a tent and sleeping bag, sleeping pad, things like that. But if you have it, for me, it makes sense. Is it my favorite thing to do camp? No, it's definitely not my favorite thing to do. Um, but I enjoy it. It works for me. And that's just what I'm going to choose to do. When you're out camping, so where I camp for Nebraska Sharptail is I'm able to camp and be within 10 or 15 minutes of where I'm going to hunt the next morning. So convenience factor, you're kind of immersed in the whole experience of where, wherever you're hunting and wherever you're camping. So it could be further, it could be shorter, just depends on, on where, you're, where you're camping at. But um, another option, I mean, if you don't have a tent, but you have a pickup truck, sleep in the back of your truck. Um, get a little sleeping pad. I'm just bringing my pillow from home, so I got this nice, nice fluffy, uh, you know, memory foam pillow. That's what I sleep best on. So that's what I'm throwing in the truck. And again, it's just it's just me driving by myself. So I got pretty much endless room to be able to you know throw what I, I want in there. Uh, might not be the most ro uh, rustic camping experience, but again, I'm going to choose a little bit of comfort over uh, convenience uh, for when I'm camping, but do what works for you. If you want to just go minimalist and, and get a hammock and, and, you know, keep it super simple and minimalistic, then that's, that's great. If it works for you, um, that's awesome. I think it, it, I don't know. I remember my, my sharp tail hunt last year and it, it rained the first day. It was a little bit wet and, and kind of nasty, but it was a great experience. Had the campfire, uh, not a ton of people around me, which was pretty nice. And just come back in the afternoon, uh, you know, eat a cold, soggy sandwich, uh, you know, fire up some coffee, maybe take a nap and go back out and hit the prairies in the afternoon. And so it was just part of the experience. It was, it was you know, again, I'm, doing these solo mostly and it was pretty peaceful pretty quiet uh took a nap in my tent fighting off mosquitoes and as, as kind of as awful as that, that sounds maybe uh i kind of say jokingly it was it was probably my favorite hunt i've ever been on um because it wasn't perfect it, it wasn't this picturesque maybe uh perfect to someone else but for me um it was and so so again for that area i was in for the time i was there uh camping made sense and that that really worked for me 
Um, so just know where you're going. Um, you know, use Onyx uh, if you're looking for you know hunting location, different land types. If you're looking for BLM land, if you're looking for state land, a camping site, um, get get on Onyx. Um, this has been a really helpful tool that I've been using a lot. Uh, I've mentioned I know before on the podcast. Um, so you can really map out before you go somewhere. Um, so where I hunted for sharp tail last year, I didn't ever put eyes on the land until I got there. I rolled in at about 11 or 12 at night and, but I had a good enough idea what I was stepping into before I got there. If that, if that makes sense, the amount of e-scouting I did, I, I saw the campsite, I saw where the roads uh, that I would drive in on. I could see the gates of, of different areas that I'd have to cross over. And so it really gives you a good picture, uh, going in somewhere before you go there. We all don't have the luxury of having eyes on the property uh, before we go there. Montana, I had some tentative plans to um, go up there in August before I hunted up there. It's not not going to happen, unfortunately, but I have a good enough picture that gives me enough confidence going up there uh, through e-scouting, through Onyx, uh, through using Google Maps, all that kind of stuff, just to be able to see what the land looks like pick out my camping spot. And so anyways, it's going to be a full truck. I'm going to have a lot of camping gear, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, so most of my trip I'll be camping. Um, second half will transition into kind of hotel staying. Uh, I have a feeling hotels or motels might be the most common, uh, used method, uh, of going or traveling out of state for a hunt and just some things, uh, again, I'll just take you through my experience and I'd love to hear, um, you know, more from you guys on what, what you've experienced, you know, in hotels, all that kind of stuff. Uh, first off, you know, dog friendly, you're going to need to decide if your dogs are sleeping in the truck, if they're sleeping in the hotel, whatnot. And so just kind of figure out a dog friendly hotel. Some places will charge you an extra fee. I know most places will, um, but depending where you are, it's very, very inexpensive uh, for dogs. Um, I, I think I've done both actually, depending on the weather. Um, I've, I've brought dogs in, I've left them in the truck. I've kind of done, done a combo of both. Um, my dogs, when they sleep in an open room, uh, whether it's a hotel, they, my older one paces a lot. And so he'll just pace and, and just be, he'll be, he's up all the time. And so kind of a pain for, for me sleeping. And so I tend to either bring their kennel in to the hotel um, or, or leave them in the truck. So again, depending on the weather, but you're going to want to check on uh, hotel arrangements, pet policies, all that kind of stuff first. Um, uh, other things with hotels is, I, I mean, I always bring my gear inside the room. Uh, I know some people leave it in the truck. That's fine. Just, I, I feel safer if all my, especially the, the important stuff. So I'm bringing my shotgun in, um, you know, ammo and uh, uh, collars, electronics, all that kind of stuff. I, I just feel better. It's just going to be something you're going to want to think about to, again, w- cars have, you know, great alarm systems, all that kind of stuff, but I just feel safer if it's in my possession. Cause once I get to the hotel, I might run out for dinner. I probably already had dinner before I got to the hotel. And so I'm not leaving that room the rest of the night. Again, maybe a personal preference of myself. Maybe I'm a weirdo. You tell me <laughs> what, what you guys do, but I bring my stuff in. Um, but getting your dogs fed, um, make sure you're, you're bringing enough food for them. Um, bring them inside. Uh, I, uh, this doesn't even really carry over to 
hotels or, or versus camping when you're going somewhere. But, um, after a hunt, so that, that evening I'm, I'm giving my dogs more food than they normally get. Uh, they had a hard day running. They're going to get more food. Uh, I'm also going to be putting uh, water in their food. Uh, so water up their food. Again, this is just what I do. I'm not sure what you do, but, um, they, pr- chances are they probably didn't drink a whole lot that day or maybe as much as they should. So I'm just going to make sure they're getting that, that, uh, water that that they need uh through their food because i know they're gonna eat their food so i'm just gonna add a little water in there just to make sure they get uh, that extra hydration that they need and and again they worked hard they used up a lot of calories and a lot of energy uh hunting throughout the day so that's just uh, something i do i know my buddy matt harrell um he kind of told me that a long time ago and uh, I've been doing it when I uh, travel and, and hunt. Just make sure those dogs stay hydrated and in their top condition. So um, other than that, guys, uh, just account for time when you're in a hotel for bringing gear in, bringing gear out. Uh, take some time to unload your truck or some of the important things and load it back in. Bring dogs in, bring dogs out, uh, bring dogs to the bathroom, bring them back in your room, whatever it might be. So just just know you now there's going to be some more travel plans involved. Um, find a safe spot for your room key. <laughs> so that's an important one. Uh, you know, again, you lose it, you get another one very easily, I know. But uh, I've had an experience where I lost a room key and it was just a pain in the ass. Uh, I think I was taking a dog out late at night and uh, I had my wallet in the room. It was just, it was just kind of a hassle to recover my room key, um, or get a new one made. So, um, just, yeah, keep it in a safe spot, keep it in your pocket at all times or, or somewhere you're going to remember it. So, uh, don't be like me. Um, other than that, guys, I think, uh, again, like I said, just as much as you can, if you're traveling out of state this year, um, put eyes on a map before you go. Just give yourself, paint yourself that picture uh, wherever you're going before you get there. It's going to save a lot of time driving around, all that kind of stuff. Um, Another thing I'm doing this year is with all my out-of-state traveling, um, I'm putting the gas can in the the truck. Um, Again, a lot of back roads, a lot of uh, rural areas that I'm going to keep a five-gallon gas uh, gas can in the truck just in case. I'm running low. I need to get uh, somewhere a little further. I'm also packing a uh, one of those little battery jumpers. So again, something happens, you leave a car door open, battery dies, uh, I'm able to jump my battery there. So some of those items, um, some of those kind of recovery or emergency items that can get you to the next town or get your truck started up are going to be worth looking into. Um, I just updated, uh, and I'll go over this further. I'm going to do an episode on uh, my truck setup. And so I'll go into a little bit further depth on what I have in my truck this year. And again, some of those recovery items, you know, Travis Warren and I, we did a podcast a while back that'll be releasing in a few weeks. Um, he, and he put a video out actually on his, uh, his truck setup, his deck system, and kind of what he's rocking in there. And it just got me thinking a little bit more on having some of those essential recovery items. Um, Again, where are you hunting? Uh, I do a lot of solo hunting personally. And so being able to kind of troubleshoot and get yourself unstuck or get yourself safe and, and back to a... Um, a town is important. So I did upgrade some of the items in my truck that I'll go over in a later episode. So stay tuned for that. Um, I'll kind of go through, uh, getting what I'm, what I'm carrying in the truck. But, um, anyways, guys, that's kind of all I have right now. And this wasn't super planned out. Hopefully this was helpful. You are probably just anxious and (laughs) excited to, uh, get to the actual episode. 
But, um, but yeah, figure out what you're going to do. Um, early season is a great time. I think to camp, just be out in nature, even a little bit more than you are. Um, but nothing wrong with hotels or motels either. Um, they provide some great options, even some snacks or some breakfasts, things like that. Um, I don't know if they're doing breakfast anymore, but, uh, maybe some places are, um, pack lots of food, pack lots of water when you're traveling. Um, it's, it's going to save you in, you know, those McDonald's trips, those gas station trips, uh, pack a bunch of, you know, peanut butter and jelly, turkey sandwiches, whatever it might be. Um, just have those things on hand, snacks, Pringles, chips, whatever it might be. I bring a lot of goldfish because we have them at the house a lot. So, um, whatever's in your cabinets, whatever's cheap at the grocery store, um, pack those snacks. It'll help as you uh, are traveling on the road versus, you know, spending extra money just on, on travel food and stuff like that. So again, I try to be somewhat budget conscious. I'm already spending a lot of money on gas, traveling, license, all that stuff. So I'm looking for some other ways to, um, to cut costs, keep costs down at least a little bit, um, keep the wife happy, which is always a good thing. So, um, all that to say, guys, I'm going to wrap this up, but, uh, tell me your travel ideas. Uh, what's worked for you, whether it's camping, hoteling, Airbnbs, even, uh, I've looked into some Airbnbs that are in the general area of some areas I want to hunt. And that can be a great option too. Um, pretty, pretty, uh, inexpensive. Um, but you know, provides some more laid back environment than a hotel or a motel six or something like that. So always a good option as well, but would love to hear what you guys are, are rocking or what your thoughts are as you are planning these, uh, 2021, 22, uh, out of state hunts. So anyways, guys, that's all I got for episode 18. Sorry, this went a little bit long. We're going to jump into episode 18 with Upland, Arizona. Enjoy. All right. All right. Let's yeah, do this. Might, might as well. Yeah. Do, do you guys fish? Do you guys fish at all too, or? Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Fly fly fish. Yeah. I do. Yeah. A little bit. I'm not good, but I try. Okay. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did a lot of bass fishing growing up, and yeah. uh, I haven't gotten into fly fishing out here. Colorado's like fly fishing heaven, and uh, just it haven't is. haven't had the time to uh, <laughs> to that, dive into that. That's ridiculous. That's the only know. reason I'd move to Colorado. <laughs> yeah. There's people from Kansas who drive drive out here to to fly fish, and I'm like. Yeah really yeah yeah it's great i, gotta, I, gotta... I just got back from up there <clears throat> oh did you yeah i was fishing down by durango area fly fishing down okay. by durango okay <laughs> yeah i heard it's a great great just summertime activity and i don't know i don't know if i have the capacity for it right now <laughs> training dogs in the summer <laughs> and podcasts yeah. now and, and all the kiddos i'm like i'm I'm feeling that I'm like barely at my max right now. And so I don't know, maybe someday, maybe someday. you'll find, you'll find now that you have more dogs, you're going to have less time to do anything else. <laughs> anything. Cause I know. you'll just want to spend more time training your dogs. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's the way I feel anyway. So exactly. Well, Tress, you just, uh, so how many, how many dogs do you have? Could you just held up a puppy to me a little while ago? Yeah. I'm, I'm at three. You're at three. Okay. I'm and at then three. And Josh... I, co- I co-own one other one, but it's not at my house. Okay. Uh, Colin with a with a breeder. Oh, nice. And Josh, how many do you have? I have two. Two. And Jimmy, I have four. I have a a twelve year old or a thirteen year old retired Brit. Uh, she was my first one, and then I have a a nine year old Brit. He's he's doing great. He's a he's getting a little slower. And then I have a six year old Lab that runs with us. And then I have a year and a half old Brit pup. That you're the uh, Lab guy that Tress told me. That Tress told me guy. about. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. She thinks she's a Brit. She's never seen anything else and she's white. So she thinks she's got horns okay, on her. Nice. She just doesn't know. That's a- she identifies okay. as a Brit. It's all about what they identify as, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, cool guys. This is going to be fun. Um, well, let, let's kind of jump right in guys. Let's, um, uh, I don't know where to start. Let's just go through one at a time. Just tell me a little bit about who you are. Um, tell me a little, yeah, just who you, who you are and put us on a map. Go ahead, Josh. Go ahead, Trace. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to, I'm going to go. Let's go, uh, Trace. All right. Um, uh, I grew up, the question is where we started hunting, right? Nope. Just tell me a little bit about who you are. Oh, and, and um, put, put me on a map. All right. I'm in Gilbert, Arizona, uh, greater Phoenix area. Um, just, uh, blue collar worker that loves to loves to hunt and fish and chases dogs and i'm a family man uh first and foremost so you know that's me i mean that's it that's that's great man that's great and you already said you got you got three dogs so that's 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 a full house right there it is that's great man (laughs) and then josh how about you man yeah uh basically the same thing as trace blue collar guy been living in arizona most of my life um and been hunting big game, small game, as well as love to fish. I've been fishing since I can walk. So I love the outdoors. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And, you are, and yet you already said you're pretty similar geographically to, to Trace. Yeah, we still, we both live in the same town, uh, Gilbert, gotcha. Arizona. And, but he just lives about, oh, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes away or south of me. Okay. Very cool. Jimmy. I am uh in uh central phoenix so i'm right in the middle of phoenix i got a little uh i got a little rare type property i got an acre and a quarter right in the middle of town that's irrigated uh from the backyard probably got 20 trees in there from from the from the road you wouldn't you wouldn't realize you're in the middle of the desert uh so i got lots of room for the dogs to run and mess around here but i'm right in the middle of phoenix uh i am a uh to identify myself, you know, I'm a husband. I've been married for 23 years. Um, my wife's uh, super supportive. You know, my wife uh, was born, uh, she has a, a disease, cystic fibrosis, and she just had a double lung transplant about three oh, wow. years ago. So she is, she is, we, so we never, we never had children. Uh, so we got puppies, man, we got dogs and we love them. Uh, I'm a, we're both veterans and, uh, I love the outdoors. She supports that too. We do a lot of camping. We do a lot of, a lot of hunting. We put in out here is everything draw drawn. I think Colorado's the same a lot way. Of draw, a lot of yeah. draws. So a lot of draws. So we put in every year for our elk and deer and antelope. And when we get drawn, cool. And, uh, really the, the obsession be upland, you know, I love running the dogs. It's just all about working the dogs. Love to hunt. Um, you know, I love to hunt the, the birds. So, um, even this year, like this year, I, I put in for late hunts and trophy hunts, uh, just so I wouldn't get drawn. So I'd have, uh, my early November freed up so I can, uh, take my, my trip, take a trip, take the dogs. There you place, go. So. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, kind of curious. Well, first off, can you guys hear my dogs going nuts on the side? I was house? wondering whose yeah. dogs they were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh my crap. Um, give me, hold on. Give me one second. Cause they're losing their you're, mind. You're good. I don't want to touch this to uh, mess Try up it. the uh, the streamer. Oh, huh? okay. Yeah. 
two uh, two boys were <laughs> having a little having a little war. Oh yeah, <laughs> golly. Um, all right, let's jump back in here. Um, how did you three meet? Uh, Jimmy and I worked together, uh, and then Josh and I. Oh, I don't know how we met. We just met on a, a website, really, just talking about hunting, mm-hmm. uh, quail hunting, and not many people were posting about quail hunting. It was just Josh and I, so we decided to go for a hunt together. What eight years ago? Yeah, something like that. And then uh, every every season since then, we've hunted together and just became friends. Um, and Jimmy and I worked together, and I mean, we've been become real close, uh, close friends since then too. We've been working together nine years, I think. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, we, we've been on different projects, but seeing each other around and then we got hooked up on the same project and just clicked and found out we were running dogs. And then it's real, real interesting. You know, it's really great when you're running the same dog. He has Britney's. I have Britney's, you know, we're all, hey, yeah, so it worked out good. And we just uh, started hitting it off, started just like Josh, just we all talk about hunting and then started meeting up a little bit here we are that's great guys yeah i think i mean obviously the upland community i think when you when we all share a passion for something that brings people together really easily but then another layer i think when you have a, a the same dog breed um i think that even brings people uh together even more on, so. on another cool kind of level yep that's pretty awesome exactly. Um, let's dive into a little bit, um, you know, jump, jump around, um, but your own personal story, like, did you all grow up hunting? Is it something, um, you guys got to into later in life or like, what's, what's kind of your own uh, personal story? Uh, I grew up in, uh, Northern New Mexico, a uh, little town called Espanola. Um, it's low rider capital of the world. In case you guys were wondering, uh, <laughs> so you say low rider capital, low rider. Oh yeah. Okay. Low rider. We, uh, everyone around us had low riders. Uh, nice. I didn't, I didn't get into low riders much. Um, I did a lot of fishing and hunting, uh, cause you're in great hunting and fishing area up there. Um, I hunt a big game with my, my dad and my cousins and my uncles. And then, but I preferred fishing. I, I preferred fishing since I was a kid, um, I moved out to Arizona. Didn't know where to hunt. Didn't know where to fish. Uh, I started picking up bass fishing. Um, and then about, I don't know, nine years ago, my chocolate lab died on my birthday. And then I wanted to find another dog and I found, uh, canine, canine Brittany's was selling a started dog, a two-year-old dog. And I bought Hick and my son was one years old at that time. And those two clicked mm. immediately. Uh, and then I figured I had to start a dog. I better start quail hunting. And it's been on since then, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's all I really want to do other than hang out with the family. It's, it's yeah. go chase some birds. So d- for find you, the dogs. <laughs> for, uh, for you, Trace, did it, did things kind of really then click once you got the, the pointing dog for you? It just kind of, oh, yeah. kind of take upland to a whole new level then. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I like, I don't think I would hunt quail if I didn't have a dog. Uh, I'd probably just be fishing. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. It's I still mean, a great pastime, but. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 
That's yeah. awesome. The have dogs you, do it for me. Yeah. Before we move on real quick, have you, how old are your kids and have you gotten them kind of involved in some of the bird hunting yet or training uh, or dogs? My daughter is 10. She went dove hunting with me last year. Uh, she enjoyed that. Um, but at the same time, she's starting to turn on that age where she's too cool for everything. <laughs> um, so I'm hoping I didn't miss that opportunity. Sure. Um, and my son, he's seven. He's not into it. He's, he's a, he's a gamer. Okay. Uh, I think I still have time for him. Sure. I mean, he's such a gamer. You know, we are talking about Jimmy's wife taking care of all the technical stuff. I go to my eight year old son <laughs> and he's like, let me show you how to do this. Dad. Uh, no, don't do it that way. Let me hook you up here. I'm like, okay, whatever. They, they, know, they know so much more than we think. He, he's an IT guy already. He's <laughs> a child. But <laughs> it nice. happens, man. It yeah, happens. Man. <laughs> Josh, how about you, brother? Tell me a little bit about uh, your Upland story. How'd you get into it? Did you grow up doing it? Uh, give us the, the lowdown. So um, I always loved to fish. So I've, like I say, you know, when I was younger, I would fish with my friends, my grandparents, my dad when I was really little. <clears throat> then we moved away to Arkansas and um over there, I really got into small game hunting. We had 55 acres. And so um, I would hunt squirrel. I got my uh, first 410 or my first shotgun. I was a 410 shotgun at uh, probably about 12, 13 years old. And I'd go out, shoot squirrel. Uh, we had Bob White on the property. And so, you know, I was just just shooting everything it seemed like back there. Um, and I just loved it. I didn't have a dog. I didn't have a pointing dog, but I really got into just hunting then. And then we moved back to Arizona and, um, got into quail hunting then, uh, just driving the roads with buddies when I was in high school, 16 years old, we would drive not very far from Phoenix area. It, and we just drive the dirt roads and you'd see the quail running across the road. We would stop, all of us would stop, grab our 12 gauge shotguns, go chasing after the quail and get a few, jump back in the truck and take off down the dirt road and do it again. And we were doing it like every two or three miles. You just drive a couple miles and see coveys of quail. And then um, <clears throat> my dad, he got a uh, Springer Spaniel. Okay. And, um, we went pheasant hunting and he trained the dog and everything himself. We went pheasant hunting and that really sold me on a bird dog. We, uh, we were in like a, a Walmart parking lot area and there was like these cattails and just a small little uh, thing of grass and stuff. And he says, if there's a pheasant there, he says, the dog will find it. And I was like, really? And so he lets his springer out and the springer goes in there. And then you see this nice rooster come flying out of there. In a Walmart parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Out of all places. That's like, a first. <laughs> <laughs> and so then, um, and then we went to a pheasant farm and I got to walk behind the dog. The dog stayed really close. It hunted, you know, it wouldn't go out there 50 yards. It'd stay within 20 yards of me. And I would just walk and he would just zigzag in front of me. And, um, it wasn't a pointer, you know, so as a Brittany, so just, um, he would just flush the, the pheasants, but it was a lot of fun just having the, the, uh, Brittany flush them. And then, um, it wasn't until it was probably, 
probably eight, 10, no, probably about eight years ago, uh, I got my first Britney. And uh, there's a guy here that posted on his website. Um, a lot of people check out his, it's Bob Corley's website. What, what's it called again? Arizona again? Quail uh, Hunting Camp. Excuse me, Arizona Quail Hunting Camp. Yes. Yes, it's a really good site. Good information on Arizona quail hunting here. Um, but he posted on there, he had a buddy that was selling some Britneys. And I reached out to the guy, got our first Britney pup and worked with her. I took her out that first year. I think it was 33 or 34 different times during that season. And then by her second season, season she was she picked it up what she needed to do. Um, and I loved it since because she's a pointer. So it's just awesome to sit there and watch your dog work in some birds and then locks up yeah. and you have three or four gambles quail hiding underneath the prickly pear patch. And she's just holding them there and you go kick the, the prickly pear and they come flushing out of there. It's, it's a lot of fun. So, but uh, to, to rewind before the Brittany, I was hunting, you know, uh, elk and deer and I love to just get out there and hunt and be out in the outdoors. But the upland bird hunting is definitely where I, I, I pretty much have given up big game hunting because I love upland bird hunting so much. Plus in Arizona, <laughs> uh, in Arizona you can hunt um, big or upland birds from September all the way yeah, through. You guys have a really long phenomenal. season, don't you? Yeah, we do. Yep. And yeah, it starts in like September, middle of September. Well, if you shoot uh, doves, that's the beginning of September, but middle of September, <clears throat> all the way through um, the middle, middle of February. Yeah. Middle of February. <laughs> and so, and the nice thing about upland bird hunting is you're not like, unlike big game, big game, you get drawn for a unit and you just have to stay in those boundaries where upland birds, you can go all over the whole state and look for them. And, and even on the reservation uh, here, you can pay a fee and you can hunt the Indian reservations here. Oh, I was wondering that actually, I, I saw that on uh, Onyx, the big reservation. And mm-hmm. uh, I was, I was like, Oh, that's, I, I just didn't know you could, you could even hunt it. I was like, Oh, that's a big area you can't hunt, but. No, you, I think it's, what is it? Just $10 and you yeah. can hunt on there for the yeah, day. 10 or easy. Oh, easy. Right on. Easy to convince your wife that you could pay that amount. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, totally. Like, yeah. I'm, honey, I, dr- I, drove, I drove to all yeah, the way to Arizona. Exactly. I spent 10 extra dollars. You'd have to check in with the warden on that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. And well, uh, I, I have a couple kids, and I've taken um, taken my wife out. She, she does, she's an animal lover, so it's kind of strange <laughs> that she married me, who goes out hunting and sure. fishing all the time. But she loves to be outdoors, but she doesn't like to see animals die or any of that. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> right. And then my son, um, I've taken him out. There's a lot of hiking and uh, quail hunting. And so after about uh, <laughs> how, an hour. How, that, old your, how old your son? He's 13. Okay. Yeah, he's 13. <laughs> and so he t- when he was younger, he would take out a little Red Rider BB gun. And the quail would flush, and I would shoot him. And he goes, "I got that point." He'd shoot it with his BB gun. <laughs> so uh, it was long. That's awesome, man. Go, going back to the wife, I was, when you mentioned that about your wife, I was thinking about mine. 
she's not a dog lover or not really an animal lover. And I, we got five, five chickens, nine pigeons and three dogs. So <laughs> God bless her. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know how it's possible, but <laughs> that's awesome, Josh. Well, Josh, I think, is it a fair statement to say is I was kind of listening to your story there. It really sounds like once you got your first pointing dog, that was when kind of things really clicked for you. Is that, is that a fair statement? Absolutely. Okay. Yes, We're definitely. two for two. We're two for two. Jimmy. <laughs> Let's, let's see. What's your story? Uh, you know, I, I started hunting out here in Arizona. I moved from Pennsylvania to, to Phoenix. My dad moved us out here when I was 10 and around 12. Uh, my dad's worked in a machine shop, owned a machine shop with a guy and they, uh, his grandson start, turned 10 when I was 12. So we're about two years apart. So they started taking us out then. So, uh, I started hunting when I was 12, you know, uh, running around just, we, we, we got our cottontail was pretty phenomenal back then too. So we do a lot of quail hunt and shoot, you know, same thing. I had a single, single shot break action 410, um, that they, they sent us out there with. And I hunted a hundred with my, my, I call him my cousin, you know, my cousin, Jason, he was the best man of my wedding. I was the best man in his, we're still super tight. He still goes out with us here he he's more of the fisherman though he he likes to fish so he got me into a kayak last year and we 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 stay outside you know we do a lot of outdoor stuff together but uh i went away to the military you know that was pretty much growing up we do that every chance we could you know as far as the you know the family taking us out my my, my dad and my granddad and he and i uh and then i went away to the military you know, I tried college for a couple of years and kind of stopped, you know, stopped hunting a little bit during that, that time I put, uh, I put in for big game, but you know, really didn't, didn't get out on my own very much. And then, uh, went to the military and I met my wife, she was active duty in the military also. And, uh, we were stationed in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and her father was in silver city, New Mexico. So we'd go down there and see him and he's a hunter. So we started, um, uh, he's all, yeah, we can quail hunt down here. So we started running scalies probably, down in 95, probably 95, 97. I got married in 97. So right around, right around then I, uh, we started running scalies down in, you know, the Southwest. Well, yeah, that'd be Southwest, huh? Southwest New yeah. Mexico. Yeah, absolutely. Probably Lordsburg around there. So we, we started running, running, uh, scalies down there and hunting there. And then, um, I grew up with a lab that didn't hunt. My dad was all like, well, you know, it's, it's just a house dog. You can't hunt it. So we got out of the military, uh, and we moved to Phoenix, uh, from Albuquerque and, you know, I bought my first lab and mostly because I couldn't get anybody else really to go hunting with me. So I bought a lab and started taking it out and it was terrific and did great. And then, uh, we'd go to Nebraska. My father-in-law likes to hunt Nebraska and we'd go clear up by Lincoln and such. Uh, uh, he was stationed there in the military one time and we'd go up there and hunt Nebraska and I take that only dog we had. So that lab and we'd run her pretty hard. You, you know how hard it is with, with having one dog and she'd walk every field with us. Uh, we'd hunt up there three or four days and then come back. And then one time I was up, you know, we were up there watching, we, we just worked a field or we're getting ready to work a field and we looked down and this guy's running this GSP with a lab right beside him or 10 or 15 yards in front of him, And they were just, he was just doing great, man. I just like the like like the look. I like the feel of it. He had this GSP working long. He had this this lab working close. So when we got back after that's probably our third trip to Nebraska together. 
I uh, found a litter, you know, it was just a backyard bred litter of Brits. And I bought two of them. I bought my father-in-law one. I bought me one. I'm sure he had to fly it back. He spent more on the plane ticket to get that dog back because they can't put them in cargo and everything at that, that time of year. So, uh, yeah, I bought two Brits and that's the, my 13 year old I got here and he's still his, his male. I bought the female and he bought it, you know, I got him a male and, uh, we, we went that way. And then, you know, I bought a, another lab next cause I wanted to have that, that lab. I, I don't want them to get too close in age. You know, it's hard losing dogs sure. at the same time. It's hard losing dogs period, but I really, I really don't like them that close. Uh, but, uh, so mine, my, my lab's now six. And then, uh, I have the 13 year old, the six year old lab. And then I bought a, a year and a half year old, uh, a Brit, you know, I bought a Brit when she was a pup a year and a half yeah. ago or whatever, but my father-in-law got sick and, uh, he had his Brit, uh, he had got another one, the nine-year-old I have now. And he, he said, I can't hunt him anymore. I can't move around. He's, he's three. Can you, uh, take him? So I'm, I'm personally, I like the female dogs myself, you know, and, uh, I'm, you know, I love that dog too. So we brought him in the, brought him in the mix. So that's how I got right four. on. And, I love, I love working them together though, man. And, uh, it's great for me how it works with the Brit in the lab, but, um, my team here is, is super, super, uh, they're, they're very, they, they don't judge me because that lab doesn't have any <laughs> points. You know, I can keep her close, but when, when their dogs are on point and you got a back dog and, and then I walk up there, my lot, my lab just pushes through them. It, it can kind of, hurt them and when when they're trying to train their dogs for trials sure. and stuff but you know we don't hunt all the time together but that lab together they, they it lets me stand yeah. back a little bit that lab sounds like flush. sounds like they all get and, it done still yeah, oh, that's it's, awesome it's it sounds uh it sounds like a similarity to all you guys it sounds like when you when you kind of started to go down this upland path it sounds like you all kind of went with a Brittany first. I'm just curious what, um, and anyone can answer this, uh, what kind of, like, how much research did you do? Like, did you know, Hey, I just want a Brit and that's what I want. Or like what, what went into the thought process? Uh, for me, I wanted something. I did research. I originally wanted something similar to a lab, um, that I could possibly hunt with, but that would chill out in the house. Um, but from going from a lab, my wife wanted something that uh, didn't shed much. Uh, wanted something smaller. Um, so I did a lot of research on that. And everything I read said that Britneys don't shed. Uh, they're all full of crap. <laughs> Britney shed. They are full of crap. Yes, they yeah, do shed. Britneys <laughs> shed plenty. Not quite like labs, but they shed. Um, but yeah, I did a lot of research and I went with Britney just because. So size, mostly temper- temperament. Mostly temperament. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. Right on. Is that kind of similar for all you guys? Uh, I grew up, my, my wife, my father-in-law had two Brits growing up or, you know, when my, my wife was a child, you know, so they grew up with two Brits and he hunted them in Nebraska and he was all about the Britneys and my wife was all about the Brits. Okay. So I didn't really, really know anything. I'll tell you now though, I have three Brits. My father has one Brit, my dad, my stepdad or my uh, father-in-law still has one Brit. My brother has two Brits. So we are probably seven Brits heavy just in our and I got a lab that identifies as Brit. So we're eight dogs with seven of them being Brit. So I think I might get, I might get divorced. You, oh yeah. You're, you're pretty, you're far down the path now of, of the Brit world. <laughs> but buddy of mine, I was, uh, he, he found out, I just picked up Win a few days ago 
And uh, he's like, dude, you're pretty far down this Brit world. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty far down the path and I'm, I feel great about it. So I just like it. When you talk about other dogs, you're like, I'm thinking about this kind of dog. And your wife's like, Hey, your, your whole logo's yeah, exactly. Britain, you know? I, I heard, I heard her exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We were, uh, yeah, I was, she's like, you can't, you can't deviate from the, from the Brit. I'm like, yeah, fair point. And, uh, I, I do like them. So, Hey, how did, uh, how this upland Arizona thing, uh, come about guys? Cause you're relatively, relatively new, right. On Instagram, at least we're very new. Um, was it last year? Uh, I decided to just build like a website for the three of us to, to dump our photos on. And so if people want to see anything, just go to the website and check out our photos. Um, I'm not a, uh, Instagram or I'm Web not designer. a Instagram, not a Facebook. I'm not a social media person whatsoever. Um, but with that website going up, I said, you know what, let's try this Instagram thing and we'll put it up just as upland Arizona. And that's just how it took off. I mean, these guys were all for it. They were ready to uh, post their pictures and just share, just share our adventures, I guess. That's, that's it. It was mainly just for us, but once the Instagram thing happened and kind of start taking up. I feel like kind of a, maybe around the time you guys started this Instagram for yourself, I feel like there's a, a lot of Arizona accounts now. Is that accurate? You think there's a, I just feel like there's a bunch of Arizona things. I, I couldn't tell you what there was before we started this. So I don't know, but yeah, there's a okay. lot of Arizona stuff. Um, I, I love it. I, I think it's really cool. I just, I've been noticing there's like Arizona quail today. There's a couple other big, you yeah. not big, but they're getting big. Yeah. Um, Borderland. He's uh, Borderland. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's great. And then he's uh, putting out some great stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's pure entertainment. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> there's there's those accounts that i I follow and i just really uh, the value i get from them is just very very high absolutely absolutely (laughs) i love that um i was gonna ask you guys oh okay we're gonna get into some other things here i want to talk a little bit more about hunting your your this past season for you guys but who is the owner of the vest you guys took a picture of a vest dump not that long ago there's two of them the first one that weighs 30 pounds Okay. That one. That's Jimmy. That's Jimmy. Jimmy. Are you, yeah, are you yeah, carrying all that yeah. stuff in your vest? Oh Every day. Yep. Even on a short hunts. Jimmy, Jimmy, <laughs> explain yourself. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm a boy scout. I think you should have it, you know, but I, I don't know. I I'm kind of like interested now. They, uh, we got another vest, you know, I'll be changing vests this year. And, uh, it doesn't quite have the capacity. So we're going to see how it limits down, but yeah, I'm a freak, man. I, I carry my box of shells and I carry a spare box of shells just in case. I, I don't know. Nice I, guy. I just, I have, well, yeah, but you know what? The price of shells in the field, they go, they do. let me tell you, they, they Tr- Tracer, uh, Josh field. run out. Walmart's up the road 10 miles. You can go up to Walmart, but you know, mine might be a little bit more expensive, but. But hey, right for, here, for the other know. two guys, have you ever had to borrow shells from Jimmy? Not from Jimmy, but I know Josh has borrowed from Mr. Corley before. <laughs> I have. I, I shot through a couple boxes of shells on a really good morning and <laughs> ran out of shells. I had to bum shells off of everybody. <laughs> did, did did you did you get close to your limit, or do you have a lot of misses? I had a lot of misses. Okay, okay. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> 
it, it happens. Um, yeah. Hey, but before we get, go down the, the vest route, sorry, I got a little premature there. Um, catch me up. It what happens. was this past? Well, I know. So I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> what was this past season like for you guys? Uh, kind of give me, uh, give our listeners a little recap. What was uh 2020 quail season like for you guys? Uh, 2020 quail season for gambles was probably the best I've experienced since I've started. Um, a lot of gambles out there. Uh, we had more time to hunt. It was just my favorite gamble season, uh, to date, uh, as far as scalies and merns, I think we only went scalies twice and maybe once I don't remember. And then merns, we didn't go at all because, uh, summer rains for the last two years down there weren't very good. Um, is dry scenting conditions are terrible and the hatch wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to give, uh, I wanted to give them a little break, um, from being shot at cause I'm not going to hit them anyways. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I spent my whole season for the most part chasing gambles. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think it was an amazing year. The past two years have been great. Uh, I, I kind of log where I go and how many times I hunt and which dogs I take out and any injuries that occur, you know, I just like to keep a little running track. Mostly this is my way to, uh, like make sure that I'm doing the dog, right. You know, I've had I, that black lab. She, she, you know, she might've went out a couple times a season other than when we took our trips to Nebraska. And I think it's important. I really want to do the dogs justice. They love going out and I love doing it. So this last year I went out 23 times with, you know, with other people and by myself and everything like that, I took a, not me, but over those dogs, over 120 birds were taken. That's 120 wild quail that were shot in the, in or over or in the vicinity of the dogs to get a lot of, so having that pup out there that first year, she, she was a lot of sight hunting, a lot of running around and a lot of chasing tweety birds and all that by the end of it man she knew what she was doing man she she really did she it, it turned turned on she ended up going out she had 13 trips to the field probably the last five or six she was really uh kind of figuring it out so it was a a it was a tremendous year for me. I loved it. That's it really great. cool. I also, Jimmy, I really like that you keep the, the stats on that. I think that's really cool that you can look back and like, Oh yeah, my pup went out 13 times. Um, that's, that's actually pretty cool. I like that. I should probably do that. Yeah. I did. I, yeah. It was, especially with the new pup. It's, it's awesome, man. I, I, th- I like to look at that. So at the end of the year, you know, you hear, you know, mostly duck hunters, all oh, 10,000 birds have been shot over this dog. You know, I can do the math. I started it with my, my lab. I can do the math. I mean, not every dog was retrieved by her or not, but you know, maybe she ends up in, in 10 years or 15, you know, 10 years, probably 10 years. Maybe she'll have 300 birds shot over sure. whatever, you know, yeah. those are wild birds. And that's, that's pretty it. cool. I like that. How about you, Josh? Yeah. Uh, this past year, like Trace said that it was a really good gambles year. Uh, Trace and I and Jimmy, all three of us went out quite a few times and we had a lot of, all of us got several birds and um it was a it was a good desert quell year for sure we didn't go after any um merns quell and uh, i think like trace said we only went after scalies a couple times um but yeah I, I do the same thing that jimmy does where i try to keep track of how many days i go out during the season how many birds were shot and just kind of keep track of that over the years and it and try to maintain that number or, you know, even exceed it. But, um, it's, uh, it, it was a good year, I would say for gambles for sure. 
That's, that's past season. Are you guys keeping track of, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm really fascinated by that. Are you guys keeping track of like cubbies you find or fl- a number of flushes? Mm-hmm. I, I keep track of how many cubbies I find on the, that day, how many birds were shot, how many uh, miles I walked as well as the dog walked. Um, and even the location I was hunting the exact location. Uh, right on. I do the, lo- I do location and the, the miles, the dogs. Tr- I love the GPS yeah. now. So I can see the the labs running 17 miles and people are like, your lab's a little overweight. I said, you mean she <laughs> runs half marathons every, every weekend. She ain't a little overweight. That's fit, you know, but, uh, but, uh, I don't do coveys, but I'll do like how many, uh, roosters or how many hands, uh, you know, I take stuff like that. So I could break down at the end of the year and say I took 60 roosters and 60 hens or whatever the number may be, may be in of different, of different, uh, species too. So if they took, if we went pheasant hunting or whatever, I'll put all that down. I love that. Down on there. But I don't do yeah. flushes and stuff. That. For, for someone who's wanting to maybe do that. Cause to be honest, about three years ago, I had this a similar idea in my, my head. I built this Google spreadsheet with, you know, what the temperature was, what day I hunted, dog work, all that kind of stuff. Um, I just never got, got around to putting the data in. Like what's some advice you would give to someone, say someone out there like, Hey, they have this idea. They want to do this. Like, how do you, what's the best way to actually accomplish this? Keep a notebook in your truck. Um, so you could write everything down immediately. You're not going to get to your spreadsheet right away. So you'll start forgetting your numbers by then, by the time you enter your information, write in a notebook, keep track of it. And then when you're ready to sit down on your Google, just type it in. Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be my suggestion. Just get it done right away. What, what I've done is, I mean, I still have old calendars. We always have a calendar hanging up in mm-hmm. the kitchen or the, the pantry. And so after the day's hunt, that's where I'd write down that information on okay. that day. <laughs> right on. I, I do I do like, I got a, I just got a dedicated notebook that I keep with in my gun safe with my shotguns. And I pull that notebook out and, I wear a GoPro just for my own fun, you know? And, uh, so, you know, the next day, like I, I hunt on Saturdays or Sundays the next time I'll get out, I'll clean my, or when I clean the birds, if it's that day, when I get home, I'll clean the birds and then I'll note which male and female at that point, just do a little jot. And then, I don't know, it's a way for me to, uh, extend that, that hunt. I like to put now it's starting to turn into a little paragraph below that of how the, how well the dog did and how the pup progressed or, Hey, we had a step back today and it blew through, you know, Dooner, the nine-year-old blew through two coveys, you know, just, and, and that and that happens, but you know, I can, I, I just like to put little notes. I'm hoping that this is my little, uh, I hate to say diary, but this is my little thing when I'm 80, I can look back on and I can read it and say, it can prompt the memories of the, the forgotten past, you know, and the good dogs that yeah. i've had and hunted yeah, that's with, so. really cool i love that um all right so i know tress or trace i can't say your name man trace tress <laughs> i'm gonna butcher it all night it's long. all right it's, i'm so sorry let me roll my r drop me make it easy for you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tres, I'm, tres I'm, I'm, here's the thing here's the here's tres, my hang trace. up when I look Trey. at it, you call me Trey. That's a, maybe I'm going to do that. It'll be like a nickname. It's when I see you, uh, when I see it on the screen, I want to say. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> I knew it was going to come out. I want to say Tress, but I think I know I'm sa- I'm saying it wrong, right? I've been called so much worse. Don't worry about okay, it. Okay, what? How? How do you pronounce it then? Tress. Okay. <laughs> see, I'm way off. I know, man. It's all right. <laughs> I see. I knew, I knew I was off. That was the problem. Right, Uno, dos, tres. Yep. We're just going to go with Trey. It's going to be our little nickname. All right. Let's do it. 
Love it. Um, all right. So, uh, Trey, you just, uh, you picked up a Britney pup. Did anyone else out of the group pick up a new pup recently? Josh did. Yeah. Well, Josh did. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about, um, selection and like, what are you guys looking for? Um, in, in that next dog you're getting in that pup, like, like talk a little bit about like what characteristics traits that you're looking for so for the kind of hunting that you do with the breeder that we went with is a uh, canine canine Brittany's. Um, you tell her what you're looking for. Um, cause she watches those puppies every day. Um, so with me, I told her I want an all around dog. I want a house dog. I'm a comp, calm enough to be a house dog. Uh, something that really birdie and I mean, really, really, that's all I said. Uh, yeah, I, okay. I really wanted a roan on this one. So I told her I wanted a roan and she picked one out for me. Oh, no, right on with the last with Blake. I told her I wanted a field trial dog that's ready to show and just hard nosed. And I got more than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> i got exactly what i asked for and holy shit man so so blake yeah so talk a little bit about blake so expanding that a little bit is he just kind of a all out like go 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 dog oh he's go 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 um everyone asked me you know how did you keep him in such good shape i don't do anything that dog is so high strung so wound tight that he just burns his calories just on a regular basis um i mean you could ask these guys, when he hunts, he is full go nonstop. He's exhausting. Um, even last month, two months ago, we did that trial up north. And when he wasn't running, he stood on top of a cooler, like excited and watched the entire trial, just full energy, just, was, just ready to roll, just ready to roll. And after a while, we had to relocate the cooler because he would drag it a little closer, <laughs> drag it a little closer. And this is like a, you know, like a Yeti 65, you know, and it has some stuff in it. He'd be just inching it forward, you know. Yeah, he's like, don't don't take me out, coach. Put me in. Oh, he's he's high strung, man. <laughs> he, he's uh, he's a lot for my wife. So this this uh, last this younger pup, I wanted something a little bit more calm. Um, sure. So but hopefully it's just as birdie as Blake is. I'm I'm curious how is uh how's Blake done in the field trial game? Have you done much? I that? Uh, well, I've only ran him once. He did okay. He found four birds. A uh, couple of the birds did some had some wild flushes, but he did really well. Um, but the breeder they took him. He's got his uh, junior hunt hunter title. Um, they took him to uh, the Futurities in Colorado a couple years ago. So he did a few trials nice. without me. Um, so he he does all right. He does all right. Cool. Right on. That's right. Is, is that something you want to continue or do you just, do you just want to stick to hunting and that's your thing? Or do you want to get into the trials a little more? Uh, I think I'll do a little bit more trials just for the summertime uh, to keep them in shape. I'm not going to do it during hunting season. Hunting season is number one. Uh, sure. Trials would be secondary just for exercise and get them on birds. Yeah. Just to do something yeah. <laughs> with your time, his time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have some fun. Yep. That's awesome. So Josh, how about you? Talk about your, uh, your newer pup you uh, picked up. So, um, I got it from the same breeder as Trace, K9 Brittany. And, uh, this one, I, I wanted a pup that's going to hunt closer to me. Hmm. I had another Brittany. I have, I have an older Brittany. Um, her name's Ellie. And then I had another Brittany. Her name was Haley. 
but she ranged pretty far. And unfortunately, she got away from Trace and I on a uh, quail hunt and she got hit by a car. Oh, no. And so it was devastating oh, to, to all of us. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. And, you know, it was several years. I, I didn't want to get another dog mm-hmm. after that. It took several years for me to finally just, you know what, we need to do this. Mm-hmm. My son's been asking for another pup. And so we went out to canine Brittany's and um, he picked out the pup. Uh, He named him copper. Nice. And, um, but uh, let me, I guess, rewind a little bit. Uh, um, Arlette who, who runs canine Brittany, she said, I told her I want a a, a pup that's going to stay closer to us. Um, And all their dogs are very birdie there. And uh, so I wasn't concerned with that, uh, but I just wanted one that was going yeah, to range. Working, yeah. And so she picked out a few. Um, and I also said I wanted a male this time. And uh, so she, she picked out a, a couple males and she said, these ones are going to be good. So we watched them. She had, um, you know, the fishing pole with the, uh, the wing on the string and she would put it out there in front of the dogs. All of them would point at it. She would, hide a, a um, pin raised Bob white. They would go in there and they'd find it. So the birdiness I was excited about just, just to see all these little pups mm. that were what, eight weeks old pointing at these, yeah. these birds. And then, um, but the, the one that my son picked out, he didn't mind being held. Mm. He would come to you, you know? And so it was those things that we were like, okay, we're going to pick this one right here. That's awesome. I guess a really, I just want to touch on that for a second. You mentioned like the, the pup that comes to you and, and kind of submits and wants to be held. And that's a really important key because these dogs are house dogs for most people. And I think it's really important that, you know, again, these, these dogs are going to, they're all going to have that drive, that desire, those instincts to hunt. Um, most of them, but um, I think it's a really good thing to just to look for of like, Hey, you want a dog that can you know, come up to your lap and just chill for a few minutes or, you know, be in the house exactly. really well. So that's, that's a really good point to look for. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He, he's good. Uh, he's definitely got a lot of energy. So you got to take him out and oh, walk sure. him or take him to yeah. a park and just burn that energy off. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, I'm wondering if, if both years or Josh, I wonder if your years, we were messaging on Instagram a while back. Is, is it your pup that has, a Snixo, couple Snixo dogs in the pedigree. Uh, or is it yours? From Hoskins, yeah, it's mine. Okay, that's yours. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I guess, it's actually it, it's actually the one that uh, um, co-owning co-owning with Canine. Oh, uh, okay. um, we got we got that pup from Alar or Tequila Kennels. Oh yeah, and uh, Arlette and I are doing uh, co-owning on that, and it's got a good pedigree. Right on. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I love. I don't know, pedigrees, I, I start geeking out on it. I love seeing the just the connections and all the combination of, of pedigrees. I think that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you guys touched on things, and we were talking about quail a little bit ago. You touched on things. You all said your last last season that you said the desert birds were really good. It was an awesome year. But then you kind of separated the Merns quail. Is that right? Like, give us a little, I guess, education, even for myself. Why did you separate those? Are they not a desert quail? Merns? Josh, answer this one. You're better at this. <laughs> um, no, a lot of you know, down here, a lot of guys, they do separate them because the desert birds, um, the gambles quail heavily rely on winter rain, where as opposed to the Merns quail heavily relies on for breeding and, and for nesting and all that. 
summer monsoon rains. So when we have a good monsoon year, you're typically that winter, that fall, you're going to have a pretty good Mern's quail season. Oh. And then vice versa, if you have a good winter rain that year, you're going to have a pretty good um, gambles quail season that year. Interesting. So, uh, and, uh, so sorry, kinda, a monsoon, sorry, real quick, a monsoon, it, wouldn't that wash out nesting or wash out birds at all? Or they just need that much moisture and rain? I think they need that much moisture and rain. So, and down where, where the Merns quail hunt or where the Merns quail live or habitat, it's higher in elevation, somewhere between 4,500 and 5,500. Mm. Um, and they're in higher grass. And they have a like scrub oak down there. And so it doesn't really wash them out. They're, they're in a really hilly area as okay. well in canyons and stuff. Um, so yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really wash them out. The one thing that could is if the, um, the grasslands, if we have a, a fire and it burns a lot of the grasslands or if the area gets really grazed down, the Merns quail will, when they feel um, threatened, they will hold tight. And so if there's not a lot of cover, a lot, not a lot of grassland and they're sitting there holding tight hawks, pick them up, you know, they're easy pickings. Whereas if it's a taller grass, they, they can hide pretty well. And they, it's surprisingly what they look like. They can camouflage very well. Gotcha. Okay. And then just to touch on the desert bird side. So you said winter rains are what help them the most. So is that correct. like, correct. Uh, what are we talking? October, November, December rains or. Yeah, usually from October to March. Those are the key areas. And they say, keep an eye on the rainfall between October and March. Any areas that you find five inches of rain in that area, it's going to be pretty average. If you get up to 10 inches of rain in that area during those months, you're, it's going to be a really good area. And not to tell anybody about that area <laughs> because it's that good. It's that good. Wow. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know all that. That's, that's really cool. That's yeah. Awesome. So, and then the, the scaled quail kind of fall right in between the same the lines as, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit in between the two. So okay. they're, they're kind of spring, summer rain. They're, hmm. they're dependent upon spring, summer rain. Right on. Wow. That's fascinating. So I have, I have my first, uh, Arizona quail hunt coming up in January. Um, so I am going to be asking a lot of questions over the next few months and trying to, <laughs> trying to learn a lot. So I'm, I'm excited. You're coming with Jeremy, that's right? That's a perfect time of year yeah. to be here. Perfect yeah. time of year. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, so Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Lowry and I are, are going down there. I think it's the sec second, I think it's the second week of, of January. So That's a perfect time to come chase all three species. Yeah, we're pumped. I'd love to uh, connect with you guys if I can too while, we're, while we're down there. Um, all right, guys. So we touched on the a vest a little bit. I want to dive into the a vest a little bit. Um, if people don't know what you're doing, um, catch us up a little bit on a, a vest review. You guys have been posting on social media a little bit about. Well, we're doing this vest review and it's mostly with like the small companies, uh, chief upland, final rise, pike and Q five. Um, we got, one of each of their vests and we're just kind of go over and uh, going over them. Um, and we really want to do it just to show everyone what's out there. Um, none of these companies have storefronts. I guess Pike does now, but it's in one location. No one's going to go see it. Isn't, um, isn't it Brent? Isn't it Brent's house? I think so. I'm not too <laughs> I sure. Think I think it's his house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's He's awesome. Got a nice house by the looks of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, we wanted to just get that information out there so people knew what these vests bring to the table. Um, at this point, I will tell you, all of them are great vests, man. <laughs> That's I, awesome. You really have to pick. You really got to decide what you want out of vest. Um, if you go down the list, Chief Chief Upland, it's not a strap vest. It's a full-on vest. Um, it's got a great Molly system. It's it's a nice vest. I, I'm the strap vest person, so it's not my cup of tea. Um, I think it'd be good for turkey hunting if I decided to start doing that. Um, and then for final rise, that's a all-around good vest. Um, it's it's a nice vest. I don't know what else to say about that one. Pike is cool. It, it's more for someone that doesn't uh, want to carry a whole lot. It's like a minimalist vest. Yeah, I was going to say, it looks, Jimmy looks would a little not more buy minimal. This vest. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your, your stuff would not fit, Jimmy. I really like their strap system. Their shoulder straps are like seatbelt material. They are sweet, you know. Uh, but, but yeah, there ain't enough cargo capacity for me. And then we got the Q5, um, and as you know, we can load that Q5 up pretty well. Um, it has lasted us. We we got a sample one, um, also to compare to with our with our older ones, um, but. This, this vest, I mean, it, it holds up to a lot. Um, we know it carries a lot of weight. Um, it, it's a comfortable vest. I like the way uh, all the weight distributes to waist. Um, I think the Final Rise does the same thing. Um, I think Final Rise and Q5 are pretty similar in, uh, in everything, really. Nice. Now I'm really interested in the final. The final rise is actually has a, a really nice belt. That belt that they got with that final rise is is you know it, it is sweet. You know, so that that'll be uh, interesting to see how how if it if it changes your points of connections. You know, what I mean, like it, where your wear points or anything. Because right now all the weights transferred to our shoulders and stuff. So we're not. But that that final rise uh, belt system is pretty nice. Yeah. Have you guys, um, so are you wearing them this season coming up or did you test some of these last season? We, well, we got them in the off season. We got them in the off season. Okay. Um, so we really didn't put them through any hunts. Uh, I think we all hiked with them. We all put them on where them around the house, you know, uh, sure. Had our wives adjust them for us. I don't know. Yeah. I had some training uh, with them, but yeah, we didn't get to put them through too too much. Um, sure. But we really want to get it done by September because uh, our feelings are that's when everyone's starting to look at new vests. Yeah. Um, getting ready for the season, so we want to put this out there um, by by September, um, so everyone hears what we have to say. If they want, if they don't care what we say, I mean, <laughs> at least we'll have pictures of them. Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> so you guys, you guys posted a picture. They're all hanging on the uh, kitchen table or something yeah, or chair. Yeah. You have them all lined up. Yep. Um, no, I know. I, I mean, people love gear. There's no way around it. People just love gear. They love seeing what's out there, what's new, what works, what doesn't work. And so I think everyone's going to be, <laughs> I think everyone's eagerly awaiting. I kind of feel they're just, they're interested to see someone. I think you guys might be the first ones who are doing kind of a complete review on all these. And so I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool to see yeah, what absolutely. The, I hope well, we do well. Yeah, I think it'll be awesome. A couple of questions on, on the initial impressions of some of the vests, if you don't mind. Um, I have a couple of specific questions on each of them with the, with the chief upland vest. Is it, a th 
uh, I guess a thin enough vest that you could keep on hopping the truck and drive to your next spot or is it, or is it still bulky where you would take it off? It's bulky where you take it off. Okay. In my opinion. Um, yeah, I think it's bulky to do where I'd take it off. Would the rest of you guys agree? Yeah, I, I, agree. It, I just don't think it doesn't have that like shelf type back, like the, uh, the, uh, the final rise or the, uh, Q5 does, you know, where it's actual kind of open air type thing. So I don't think it would be too uncomfortable to, to be able to do, to do it, you know, to, to wear it if you were just puddle, puddle jumping, so to speak. But it, it, it just depends on how much stuff you jam in it too. Sure. Cause once you I imagine, once you get attachments and accessories on there, it's going to get a little bit, a little bit bulkier. Yeah. Cause it looks like it's pretty, it hugs the body pretty tight. Is that right? It holds it tight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does it, does it make you look slimmer? <laughs> you know, if it did, I might go with that one. <laughs> it's like a girdle. We'll get you a small, we'll get you a small. We'll cinch it up. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just looks tight. I, I just need, right. I don't know. It, it looks like a solid vest. I just, I just look like I would be claustrophobic a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. On the, what was I going to ask? Oh, on the pike the you mentioned some, or a Jimmy, you mentioned the shoulder straps. Are they literally like seat or like seatbelt material? Just absolutely pretty much straight. And is it, is it in a, in a good way where it's super thin? You don't know it's, it's there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It doesn't look like it, you know, the whole time I, you know, I was wearing it and messing around with it. Uh, they don't fold up. It's kind of like your seatbelt. How's your seatbelt always go across your shoulders and across your chest and never crease or anything like that. Just sure. like that. It was that thin identical material and just super, if you're, if you don't want to have that, <laughs> If you, oh, sorry. If you don't want to have any kind of uh, uh, interference for your shotgun, that that's the shoulder strap for you right there. I mean, that shoulder strap next to skin. That's awesome. How's the how's the waist belt on that one? Can you get that thing cinched, cinched down pretty good and pretty comfortable? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right on, Absolutely. right on. And how about the Q5? That's that's probably the vest out of all these. I have not looked into very much at all. I know it's been out there for a while. Um, I think they, did they change ownership? They've changed last over, year. They've changed ownership a few times. Uh, Dan Priest sold it a while back. And then uh, that second owner just recently sold it uh, to a family in Texas, I think. Um, yeah. So they've gone through three different ownerships. Okay. That's kind of why you see the, the lack of uh, um, advertising and stuff right now. Um, but they're still making vests and they're still making good vests. So that's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. Has it, has it changed much you think from, cause you said you had some original ones. Yeah. So they've added, well, they've added some pockets over the years and uh, made a few design changes to like the mesh. Um, yeah. So it's changed okay. a little bit. Right on, right on. It's evolved a little bit mm-hmm. for the most part. It still holds true. Okay. Absolutely. Right. And yeah, it looks like it has a ton, ton of pockets and suits Jimmy's needs just fine. So <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, how, how, uh, how much does your pack weigh again? 30 pounds, 30 pounds. Yeah. It's like, it's seriously 28 to 30 pounds, just depending on how many, you know, what I yeah. shoot, but that was, that's loaded up too. And I carry a ton of water. I mean, sure. the majority of the stuff, I mean, we have the two water bowl holders on the side, then inside the back pouch, there's two loops that you put two water bottles in there. So it's designed to hold four water bottles. Sure. And then, and then I throw, you know, more in there and then the attachment 
pack, I put a couple 12 ounce, you know, the regular bottle water for myself, all the, all the bicycle 16 ounce water bottles are for squirting dogs and stuff. Sure. You got, you got a pretty big first aid kit in there too, don't you? Yeah, I do. And, uh, I try to limit down mostly because I don't know exactly, uh, what's going to be needed. Like the other day, man, I almost bought the porcupine kit from gun dog supply. Oh like, yeah. Man, I've seen cause, that. cause you guys, you guys might run across them. We don't really run across too many I haven't seen a porcupine in a while here, but I was getting nervous. Like that's like one of my fears, like getting up in Nebraska and getting my dog into a porcupine or I seen a possum up there last time we were in Nebraska and they're, they're meaner and they're mean looking, you know, and I, <laughs> yeah. I just don't want them to get yeah. into a, I, I ran uh, into one in Nebraska only one time and that thing scared the, <laughs> scared the crap out of me. I'm yelling at my dog and you know, you can't do anything. You can't shoot it. The dog's going to try and go get it and yeah. everything else. I, I just don't want to get in there. So, but you know, I refrained from buying the porcupine jaw holder opener sure. type deal for the dog. But yeah. I, mean, I don't know. What we really need <laughs> I guess to get is a skunk cleaning. Uh, uh, because I know we've been on hunts where our dogs pointed a skunk and hmm. we jumped out of there pretty quick <laughs> before we got sprayed. We're like, oh. That'd be nasty. Just for the record, Will, I was standing back. I said, you flush them. And he went in there. He goes, he looks in a bush. It's a skunk. And I, was like, I grabbed my dog first and ran. I didn't care. You know you're out of there. You're back in the truck already. <laughs> come on. Come on. <laughs> you're, uh, you're, you're a smart one there, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> get your get your dog and run. Um, hey, I was looking at my notes. Uh, are you guys testing the hunt ready vest as well? We aren't. Uh, I no. asked him if we could get one. Uh, it, it just didn't pan out. Didn't, okay. Didn't work. Okay. I, I know it's another pretty popular one out there right now. Yeah. It looks nice. I would have loved to get my hands on that one, but, uh, yeah. we, didn't, you didn't know work. what? I'm kind of the reviewing all these vests was a lot more work than I expected. I bet. <laughs> I think these guys will agree with me. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's hard to say no, no good, good. You know, yeah. it's, it's hard to do that. You look at great attributes on all of them and you're like, you know, I like this one, but this one's good. You know, so I, I like Trey said before, there's not a bad one in there. Yeah. It just depends on what your needs are. If you want a that, full vest, that's the key. The- Every and everyone's needs are going to be so different and, and what they preference and what they value is going to be so different. And cause everyone on this podcast knows I'm, I love the final rise. I think it's great, that, but it suits my needs and what I'm, I was looking for and all that. But the next guy down the street for me, is going to be totally different. Yep. So we're, our, our review, hopefully, you know, we're, we've all done them and we're, we're collaborating now. They're not going to say this is a bad vest or anything. This is what we like about the vest or, you know, this is what I like about the vest or however, however that works out. That's where we're at on them. We've done the reviews. We just need to collaborate on how we're going to to post them. Yeah. I, uh, I was going to ask so. you guys, what's, what's kind of the, uh, the medium you're going to use to get this out there. Is it going to be a video podcast? Uh, Instagram, like what, what are you I guys think, thinking? To I think this? I need to get off my uh, my butt and start working on the comp- on the website a little bit because we'll post post it up on the website, but then I think we'll share some stuff on Instagram to get more people clicking over to the website. Gotcha. Um, I think that's the route we're gonna go. Right on. Uh, if that's you awesome. want to bring us on again for the vest review, I think we might be. Yeah, inter- we might yeah. be willing to do that. Yeah, I think we talked yeah, talked about that. That'd be uh, that'd be super fun to get you guys back on, and and we could do even a, a deeper dive into some of these. I got I had my my final rise sitting next to me on the floor. I was like, just in case we uh, we, we dive into any specifics, I had it ready. We can't do that yet. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I'm, I was ready though. Okay. Yeah. I was all right. Wait, I was waiting for it. I, I appreciate that. Of course. Of course. The excitement. I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm like Jimmy. I'm like, uh, always ready. I just don't, <laughs> That's care, right. I just don't That's care. right. I just don't carry as much stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. As long as you hunt with somebody like me, you're good to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're going to ask your, your partner of how much they're carrying and you're like, Oh yeah, I can, I can yeah. dump all this stuff out. And just for the record, if you ain't carrying enough water, I'm going to load you down with some more. <laughs> well, so, good, good. I got extra bottles for you. Good, you know? good. No, I'm, I'm a water Nazi. Um, a couple Arizona specific questions, if you don't mind. Um, uh, two, the two come to my mind. Are you running boots on your dogs and are rattlesnakes an issue? I do not run uh, boots on my dogs unless it's like a really, really, really rocky area. Um, when I do put boots on, I use Lewis dog boots. Uh, with the vents in them. Mm. Um, as far as snakes, yeah, snakes are an issue out here. Um, they're in the, in the early season. In the early season, absolutely. I like some of us. I know I don't hunt till around Thanksgiving when I know there's when the weather's a lot cooler. Um, snakes are still active all winter long, but not as much as they are during the summer. I mean, mm. you might run into one uh, during the hunting season um but yeah snakes are always an issue so they're always Um, out it's just they're not as maybe aggressive right is what you're saying yeah well there's less out there's very few out during the winter um but i think we all get our dogs uh snake avoidance trained um i will tell you it has helped me out um my dogs aren't don't bark um last year two years ago Dogs were back the barking in the backyard. I was like, what the hell is going on? Went back. Sure enough, there's a Mojave rattlesnake just in the backyard. Wow. So wow. I was happy the dogs were trained and wow. they alerted me that there was something up and I took care of it. Dang. That's yeah, that's, that's good. I've, I've never knock on wood, never ran into one, but it, it, I'm going up to Montana this September and even up there in, in Eastern Plains of Montana, there can be snakes up there. So I'm just, little nervous, but yeah, <laughs> it'll, it'll be good. It'll be good. Um, and then last, last kind of big topic before we wrap up here, guys, just a little bit on, on training your dogs. What, um, what do you guys kind of each do as far as training goes? Are you, uh, yeah. Like, what are you working on right now? What do you do to get your dogs ready for a season and love to hear from, from maybe each of you. Um, I'll go. go ahead, Jim. Go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, right now I'm primarily working with, uh, I work with Trace a lot, but I train my own dogs, you know, and we go out to Canine Brittany's uh, kennel um, probably about every once a month, every three weeks we'll go out there and, and uh, they'll give us some pointers. You know, Steve and our letter out there are terrific with uh, just helping us through any tough points, you know, so I've just been taking the pup out, you know, she's my, uh, my, the project. And uh, she, she's starting to learn to back. I mean, she can back, but she, really what I'm trying to hold her to is uh, I don't really want to say steady to shot, but that's what they want. Uh, you know, in the reality of it out there, I hold her steady to shot. I try to, you know, whatever, but in the field, I'm okay with steady to flush. And I say that if I hit the bird now, it sucks when the dog shoots, you know, takes off at steady to flush and she runs through the whole covey, you know, and that was a single that, you know, so I can see benefits in both ways. So I'm, I'm starting to work on steady to flush sure. with her. Uh, and then as far as training, uh, I got a neighbor that has some, an older neighbor that has a retirement uh, cabin up North. So 
has a pool down here. So I, I just watch his pool and I clean the pool and he just lets me swim my dogs. He, uh, <laughs> nice. he himself has, yeah, that's terrific, man. He himself runs, he, he's older, but he runs some uh, English pointers. So those dogs kind of get into, you know, get in the pool. So he's, all, I, I don't think he knew what he was buying into when he, <laughs> my dogs get in the pool, his kind of get on the steps and stuff like <laughs> that. But yeah, so I get them down there and I do them about 45 minutes a day or five times a week, try to get them in there and, you know, it's a lot of retrieve, a lot of just because that's the only way to keep them in there. They're not just going to jump in there and just swim around right, all the right. time. So you just keep throwing the ball in there and do that. That's the only uh, real exercise other than every other week whenever we go out to Canine Britain. It's just too hot. It's, yeah. it's super hot, but you don't want to subject them to that, uh, you know, out of shapeness in, in October, you know, and get, just run them full force. Totally. As far as like, at the beginning of the season, I'll run half days, you know, I'll just run till 10 o'clock or, or whatever it is, just until it warms up, you know, you get out there and I'll run the opening weekend. I like to, I like to hunt. So I get out there and I hunt from that point, but I'll, uh, I'll keep the, the session short, so to speak. So once it starts warming up, if it gets around 70 or 80 degrees, you know, or whatever, I, I get the dogs, load them up. It's time to go. You know, that's when those snakes are going to be coming out and getting active. Right on. But, that's what I'm doing. Cool. Josh, how about you? What are you, uh, what are you working out with your dogs? Um, right now, like Jimmy said, it's pretty hot outside down here. It's thankfully not been super hot this week, but we hit 115, you know, 117 yeah. days like that. You try to keep them, you know, and I'll take them for walks. Um, and, and what I do have is I have a couple of frozen birds. And what I'll do is sometimes I'll take them out and um, go to like a little field and I'll hide them and I'll just let the dogs, you know, that's a good mental, mental um, workout for them. It's just to sure. work the field and find these frozen birds. And then, so I don't keep them out very long. Sure. Uh, like Jimmy, you know, you can take them to a pool and get them to just exercise that way. But, um, and the first, the beginning of the season, we'll just do half day hunts, maybe hunt for two or three hours and call it quits and uh, just kind of um, just build up to the, the later season, the, the funner hunts, you know, in December, January, where you can hunt all day. And, um, but yeah, just now, I just take them for walks is about all I do for exercise. Right on. Uh, quick, quick, just kind of random question. I was curious on. So, all your Britneys out of everyone here, do they all? How many retrieve naturally, and how many did you guys have to force break? Uh, with me, Hick, Hick, uh, retrieved naturally. He's pretty good at retrieving. Uh, Blake, I'm working on. I didn't force fetch him. Um, it's more of a here to me issue. Um, when he does, when I do here, it's my bad on the training where he just turns around at five feet away from okay. me, which I always thought was okay. But now it's starting to affect the retrieving to where he's just dropping it further okay. off. So now that's what I'm working on this summer is here to me uh, gotcha. every time. Um, so right gotcha. now the, the pup is looking like he's a natural retriever. Yeah. Nice. Right it's on. Pr- it's right pretty on. nice. He's, uh, he's already impressing me. That's awesome. Jimmy and Josh, do your, do your Brits retrieve naturally or no? My first one uh, did not, but now she's really good. She'll put her whole head into a thick prickly pear patch and pull out a gamble oh, nice. quail that gets burrowed in there. Um, and she'll bring it to me, which I love. And this, the pup, he seems 
so far it seems like he's retrieving really well. We throw all kinds of toys and brings them back to us. He loves to fit, play fetch. That's awesome. So on mine, my, my old girl, 13 year old, that was my first pointer I ever had. I uh, was really concerned about training her to point and I didn't, didn't do anything about retrieve at all. Not really realizing that that's pretty much natural for them. Uh, so she retrieves zero, like she'll go grab a bird and bring it back about three or four steps, drop it and then start hunting again. Okay. And I didn't do anything with that. My second one, the nine-year-old, he, uh, was trained by my father-in-law and he retrieves well. And then now the year and a half year old one, she's, uh, she may need to have a little, uh, force fetch session at this point. She's, um, I don't know, 70, 30, she'll receive, retrieve 70, 70% of the time. And it really determined depended on how bad the bird was hit too. If you, if you smoke a bird and there's foul stuff hanging out of them, she's not really too much into. She's like, I'm good. I'm good. I'll pass yeah. on that. <laughs> the, the other issue is, is they know that uh, their big sister, that lab, she retrieves everything. So sure. they, they run out there and it'll be a race to it. And, and my big thing is I, I uh, like I correct with the e-collar, the lab, if she tries to take one away from somebody else. I mean, that, that dog got that. Now, if that dog drops the bird, then she can grab it and bring it back, and then we go about our business. Um, but, yeah, so far, uh, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with the, the pup. Um, she retrieved a good one for Trace last year. She'll, she'll bring she bring it to him. But uh, we did that field trial a couple weeks ago, or um, a couple months ago, I guess, uh, June, in uh, – she did okay there. She, uh, she stopped short a little bit, but it, it'll be all right. I, I, I don't feel, I know your dog's being forced, forced right now, or, you know, you're, you got it in the trainer right now. That'll be, uh, depending on this season, that'll be the next step. If, if nice. it doesn't kind of work the way I will, I won't be afraid of that because a guy like you, to be quite honest, has done it. Trace hasn't done it. Josh hasn't done it, but, um, you know, I follow you and, uh, like I said, I know you, you got your younger one up there right now being trained up like that, correct? Uh, so my, my French Brittany came back from a trainer a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago. And he was, he was just there getting steady to wing shot and fall. Um, oh. But he does retrieve naturally though. Um, that's, oh, the, that's okay. the French Brittany, the four-year-old American. He, I, I force broke him last summer because he would, he would just, he wanted to keep hunting. He was just he sees a bird. He's like, uh, so you go pick that up and I'll go find more birds. <laughs> and then, uh, the newest one win right now, she's, um, she's kind of half and half. I, I don't think she'll be, I think she, I think she'll be similar to gauge my older one where she's, she just wants to keep hunting. So we'll see, we'll see how it pans out for her. Sure. So, yeah. Did the force, did the force, did the force breaking work good for gauge? Really good. Yeah. Yeah. He got, oh, he got to a point cause he was three when I force broke him. Um, I, th- I would throw bumpers, balls, birds, whatever it might be. He'd run after it, look at it and go his own way. Um, now I can throw whatever it might be. I could throw this microphone I'm talking into and, and he'd go, he'd go grab it and bring it back. So, and it also helps with water. You guys are, are mentioning just, you know, water work and getting them conditioned in the summer. He, he didn't love, he still doesn't love water, but if I throw something out there, it's a good way to get him some, uh, some conditioning in the summer. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I tell you what, uh, I noticed that if there's a lively bird or a running bird, cause our birds hit the ground and run a lot. Mm. Uh, that pup really wants to chase it down. And that's when she gets most of her trees, gotcha. you know, she'll retrieve it all the way on a live bird. If there's a, a smoke bird, that's just out there 20 yards. She'll, she'll get it and bring it back portion part of the way and drop it and turn around. 
but she really likes those, um, the chase. Yeah. It's a little know, more exciting for them. Yeah. Sorry. Talking about the running birds, the down birds that run, uh, <laughs> they're a pain. Uh, and Jim was talking about, you know, steady to release or steady to shot. Um, for trials, I'm good with steady to steady release. I mean, that's what they expect. Yeah. Um, but for hunting, there's no way you want to do a steady to release because those gambles, you hit them. And if they don't die on the spot, they're running. So by the time you release your dog, that bird's got a head start on it. And the places they hide, the cactus, it's a miserable to get them out of there. Oh. So if steady to shot works great for me um, sure. on these wild birds. No, that makes sense. They sound, they sound Absolutely. like pheasant almost a little bit. Pheasant are awful notorious for running too. Yes. Um, oh, it sounds like that a little bit. That. Yeah. Okay. So you, yeah. Your dog, your dog needs to get after it. <laughs> yeah. He, they need to get after it. You don't, there's no time to, uh, I don't, don't want to be going go and dig, digging touch, around in a cat. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. All right, guys. Um, last question. Uh, so I end on a rapid fire question, uh, segment, but before we go into that, just, um, someone who's listening to this podcast, who is just going into their first upland season, or maybe, uh, maybe they're listening to this and it's already a season. Um, like what's some advice you might give someone who's brand new, maybe they just picked up their first bird dog. Uh, maybe they're, they're entering into their, their first year coming up here. What's something you would uh, share with them? Um, ask for help. Don't be scared to ask for help. Pride, put your pride away and ask for help. That's it. Um, I would say don't be afraid to explore uh, new areas. Uh, shoot, I don't know what else. Ask for help, really. That's, hey, that's solid. Don't be too hard on yourself. You're going to screw up your first dog. Mm. End of story. <laughs> you will screw up your first dog, um, but your next dog will get better. And the next one will get better than that. So just stay patient um, and just enjoy it and just have fun with it. That's my advice. Yeah, absolutely. I, don't be afraid to get out there and do it. Uh, I, I think the same way. Don't, don't be afraid to, you know, have a plan, be able to tell your wife or, or somebody or your dad your mom, Hey, I'm going to go out towards this location, you know, so somebody knows where you're at, but just get out there. If you can't find anybody to hunt with, just turn them loose, man. Get out there and let that dog go following around we do a lot of hiking without finding birds uh, on some years you know and we still get out there and do it i mean straight for the dogs straight for you i mean how can the exercise hurt you uh but just get out there and do it you know it's it, it's hard to get anything accomplished sitting on the couch <laughs> so well said so well said josh anything you'd add to that yeah i would say um your first year out first season out just try to get out as much as possible. Your dog's going to learn probably more out there in the field than what you'll be able to teach it. Um, and so the, the more opportunities the dog has and you have to get out there and walk around and just learn from each other and build that relationship as well as just getting out there and learning the sense, the new sense and everything, that dog's going to learn so much uh, the more you can get out. And just try to start, you know, just a, a good rule of thumb is just get out there and try to start near some water source. There's going to be birds that hang out near water and then just work your way out from there and just walk as much as possible. Um, you're going to, you're going to come across them might be frustrating, might get skunked a few times, but you're going to, um, 
be able to get through it and your dog's going to learn a lot and then everything's going to click one day and the light bulb's going to come on on the dog know what it's going to know what it needs to do and and my theory too is i i need to as well the dog's doing his job i need to condition myself as well mm. so i can do my job become a good shot get out there and exercise and so you can keep up with the dog <clears throat> yes someone should have told me to become a good shot uh, years ago <laughs> wait you need to be a good shot what yeah yeah no one no one told me that yeah exactly <laughs> uh actually uh i would say to the veterans that are listening help the young guys out mm-hmm. help the rookies out don't be yeah not everything's a secret <laughs> not everything's well, a secret help well the young guys too. out i think those veterans out there have so much just wisdom and knowledge that, um, doesn't have to be, Hey, here's the exact pin to go. That's not really what everyone's looking for. Right. Some guys, yes, are looking for that, but that's another story. But some guys are just looking like, Hey, how do I just pick a general spot or how do I, right. you know, X, Y, and Z. So uh, I think Yank, you're right there. And that goes for dog training too. You know, yeah. not everyone has bird launchers. Not everyone has everything they need for training. Our sport, our hobby, whatever you want to call it, it's expensive. I <laughs> yeah, mean, it is. <laughs> that's not including your whatever you, much you're spending on your dog. You're talking about training equipment, no. GPS, uh, e-collars, kennels. Um, so if you have all that stuff and someone is just starting out, invite them. Invite mm-hmm. them to go training. Invite, show them what they're, I mean, what to well, do. Well, exactly. And, bec- and, and the product of that is going to be that person, that newbie, that rookie is going to have a better experience working with their dog. They're not going to get maybe as frustrated or um, it, whether it's hunting or whatever it might be, it's going to create a better experience for them. It's going to and then hopefully create that lifelong addiction or whatever you want to call it <laughs> that we all have too. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's, intimid- it's intimidating getting into this uh, sport and everyone's just like, you know, kick rocks, go figure it out yourself. Yeah. It's frustrating, yeah. man. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. That was, that was a little bit of my experience initially getting into it. And, um, eventually kind of pushed through that a little bit, um, got connected with some, some, some good people who were willing to do that. But, um, at first it was very, and it still is to some degree. There's, there's some people out there that you walk into, you know, a gun shop and you're kind of want to talk to some older guys there and they're kind of like, who the hell are you? Right. <laughs> it's like, exactly. It's like, I just want to learn from you. Yep. Oh, cool guys. Um, we're going to go through a rapid fire section. Um, because there are so many of you just give me your quick off the cuff answer. Um, and then we'll, we'll roll through these and wrap this up. Right. I know it's getting, uh, getting late here. Uh, what gun are you carrying out into the uplands and a brief description? Why? Uh, I, I've okay. been shooting a okay. 20 gauge over under, um, Beretta, but I just recently picked up a cheap, uh, Steven's, Five 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 twenty eight 28 gauge. Um, nice. Give it a shot. Have you ever shot a 28 gauge before? Or? Yeah, I had a semi-auto, but I was going the over and under on this one. Right on. And is your Beretta over under silver yes, pigeon? Yes, it is. Yep. Nice. It's not a silver nice. pigeon. It's a okay. Onyx. Okay. Right on. Josh. Uh, Beretta silver pigeon over and under 20 gauge. I like it. I've been using that for years now. Uh, very reliable and it's light. I like how light it is. Uh, a lot of times I'm out trekking for all day, you know, and I want something light, something nice and compact and light. And so that's why what I, what I carry around. Right on. It's a beautiful gun too. 
All right. I'm shooting a 12 gauge uh, over and under. Ooh, Jimmy, Red Jimmy with the 12. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy's carrying a 30 pound pack and a 12 gauge. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I got, I don't know. I've had it for 13 years. My wife got it for me for my 10th anniversary. I love it. I feel comfortable with it. Best thing about it, you know, with all these over and unders, I love the double chokes, man. I can run with a full choke up top and improve cylinder or improve modify whatever I'm doing, depending on the seasons, you know, you know, depending on the, the bird flushes beginning of the season, there'll be a lot open, more open chokes on both of them. And then towards the end, it'll be maybe an improved modified, on top and modified on bottom, you know, right so on. the close ones. Yeah. I love the a double choke action. Uh, yeah. That's a great, that's yeah. a great point. Love that. All right. Favorite dog breed besides the one you all own. Besides, so it, can, it cannot be a lab and cannot be a Brit. I might go GSP. Okay. Right on Josh. Bringer. A what? A Springer Spaniel. Springer. Okay. Oh, it goes back because you kind of started with those, didn't you? Or you had an experience. Did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Like it. I like it. Jimmy. You know, I don't, I'm going to kind of say, uh, will you count the pointing lab as one? Because I've never had one. No, I've I'm never not, shot I'm over not one. counting the okay. pointing lab. <laughs> new new, new breed. That's my pick, next one. pick a new breed. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I dig the GSPs. I like their, okay. their coat. I really do like their coat out here in the hot weather. You know, we still yep. got to deal with a little bit of coat maintenance with the Britneys. And uh, I think that real short, GSP hair would be all right. My wife, on the other hand, she's all about the wire hair. She thinks those, <laughs> uh, the wire hair pointers are so cool looking with their beards and stuff. I just sure. think it looks like That's why uh, she loves me. It's <laughs> <laughs> the beard, bro. <laughs> those, those poor uh, Griffons would, would die in Arizona, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I'm sure too. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, favorite bird species to hunt? And when I say species, it can be one type, like one type of quail or a pheasant or whatever it might be. I'm going Merns. Okay. Josh. I, I'm going. I, I. That's a tough one. I. Scaly. Scaly. Oh, okay. I uh, am going with the gambles. I love the pheasant. I mean, I'm going to Nebraska this year in November to hunt pheasant, but. Uh, I love the fact that with the gambles, you get multiple shots at that cubby. You know, when that cubby goes up, you got singles and doubles laying, laying back after the, the full cubby, cubby rise. You know, they nice. don't all leave at once versus – I guess they don't always leave like that on pheasant. But most of the time when I'm hunting pheasant, you know, we run a pheasant clear to the end and then it flies into private land and sure. you get that one opportunity at that bird type deal. So, yeah. Um, I, I, like yeah how you, I like how you all pick the different quail. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That we force good. each other to go chase the other birds. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, really exactly. Oh man. Um, okay. couple more here. Um, we're going to save that one for the end. Uh, solo hunt with you and your dog or a group hunt with buddies and dogs. A couple years ago, I would have said solo hunt cause I don't like many people. Um, but I'm going to go with a group of friends right now because of the guys I've met and with these two obviously i'm gonna go with the group right on yeah I, i'm gonna go with the group Block okay. group jimmy 
I'm going with a solo. I really I, thanks, I love Jimmy. These, I really love hunting. That's my with you boy, guys. Jimmy. That's that's great. But I knew I liked just, you. It's awesome when you get out there. And you can you know when your dog's getting birdie, and you can move into that position without having to communicate that with anybody else, yeah. or you know when there's some. I just like the the interaction with just me and the, the dog. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. My wife doesn't like that. She gets all nervous all the time. Who are you taking with you? I said. Taking Liberty Bell, you know, my lap. I'm taking <laughs> taking Torby. She don't know who else is going with you. She gets she gets a little nervous. About that. Yeah, my wife does not uh, like for me to go hunting alone. I, I was going to ask: Is it they don't like you going alone? No, they don't. Yeah, okay, absolutely not. Interesting. Well, I've put no, I've put, I've put myself in bad like positions before. That's why. <laughs> that's yeah. That's a good point. I've also had been in. Well, I personally have not been in bad positions. My buddies have been in bad positions with other people. <laughs> so it, was, it probably would have been better if they were alone, but right. <laughs> uh, it's a long story. Um, all right. Two, no. Yep. Two more here. Uh, beverage of choice after a hunt. Oh, here's water all day long. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, the first, that's the first water answer I've gotten on this podcast. <laughs> but if it's, if I'm staying overnight and I'm going to go with an IPA, I like me a good IPA. Yeah, right on. And does Arizona have some good uh, good breweries down there? They've got a few good ones, yeah. A few good ones? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, I've heard, uh, I think, no, not Flagstaff. Uh, what's the big biking place? Sedona. Don't they have some good Sedona's breweries? Sedona's got some good breweries. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone's heard of Four Peaks Brewery. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. But they just sold out to the big companies. So. Oh. I guess that's two years ago, but yeah. Okay, <laughs> cool. Josh? Uh, you know, at the end of the hunt, I'm probably pretty dehydrated. I'm either <laughs> going to do something like a Gatorade or water <laughs> or something. Uh, there's been a couple of times that Trace and I have gone out to, to some restaurants and might have a beer or something, but most of the time I'm just trying to dehydrate. Or to <laughs> yeah. hydrate. You're just trying to get, uh, <laughs> get ready for the next day. Yep. Yeah. Fair point. Jimmy? Having said that with those guys, I, yeah, uh, I, I prefer, uh, I like the four peaks kilt lifter. I drink four peaks kilt lifter or old school reminiscent of the old man. The, the guys that took me out the Miller high life champagne, a beer <laughs> Miller high life. <laughs> there you go. Oh man. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's a hard one. To, that's a hard one to take, right there. Uh, no, I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm a big Coors guy. Coors Banquet. I'll, I'll take that all day long. Um, and someone made fun of me. I think it was Adam. Adam Pack made fun of me for that one time. He's like, "That's a fancy beer." Yeah. Like, it's, not, it's not fancy. It's like, anyways, um, all right. Last last thing we'll end with. Uh, best piece of gear that you guys added uh, this past season that you just you found really helpful um, that you really enjoyed. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, my Garmin watch. My instinct. Um, able to look at the dogs on the watch without having to pull up the handheld. Uh, I learned how to mark coveys uh, just by pushing the button on the watch. Uh, and then it wait. It say what? Hold on. What? Say what? what? Hard <laughs> say to explain, what? man. It's whoa, hard to explain. Uh, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna take that offline. Yeah, um, that's awesome. So, and then we're able to track uh, just where we went with the watch too. It's been pretty nice. That's great. I can't think of a, a new piece of equipment that I got last year. How about um, your Orvis pants? Your pants. You were talking oh, about that. Pants. Oh. Yeah, those Orvis pants. I love those. Okay. They're probably one of the most comfortable upland bird hunting pants I've ever worn. Oh, right on. Is it, is it just the Orvis upland pant or is there a certain model? Uh, I 
think it's Orvis Upland or Lightweight or something like that. I can't remember the exact model. But, yeah, I mean, super flexible to get through barbed wire fences and stuff Mm. like that. You don't have to worry about hanging up on anything. Very nice. I like them. Nice. My only question on those, do they have a flexible waistband or a stretchy waistband? I, I I know they have a belt loop, but I think there is flex there there's flex in the crotch flex okay. on the knees okay i'm so, all i'm all about the flex so <laughs> that's a deal breaker yeah. for me <laughs> i like that i like that flex if you're in a long car drive it's just nice to have that have that oh, yeah. stretch waistbands I'm, I'm all about hey that. will ask him ask him your real question do they make them in large tall large <laughs> yes tall. large tall <laughs> thank you jimmy <laughs> hey man i'm telling you i'm one of your biggest fans do they make a large tall no jimmy orvis is not a uh, large tall believer I, i've already checked their website in shirts at least they are not a large tall friendly company what the heck i know i know <laughs> i checked don't worry <laughs> oh all right jimmy favorite piece of gear you added sir uh, mine's definitely the Garmin Instinct. Uh, Trace showed me how to mark coveys on my on my watch. We'll be going over that closer to season because nice. we know how good my technical abilities are. <laughs> but we'll be relearning that. But yeah, absolutely, man. I love to be able to look down and you know track three dogs at a time. Sometimes I run three dogs. You know, tell me one. You know, points the arrow. Tell yeah. them eighty yards, forty yards, three hundred yards with the pup. You know, it's just it's just like that. So definitely the the watch to go and. In, in, in conjunction with my my tracking unit love it right on yeah no watches watches pretty sweet to uh quick glances and stuff i, I just feel like you're able to just be in the hunt a little bit more because you can just do quick little quick little look at your Absolutely. watch and and on your way so it's awesome uh, this now i don't know this next year though man for my birthday i just got the gopro 9 i've been running like a gopro 4 nice and i tell you what you can't see really the birds fly with the, Go, the gopro 4 but this I used a, a seven, my neighbor seven one time, and it was it was pretty amazing. So I'm pretty pumped about this upcoming year with the GoPro nine. I'm that's gonna be that that's gonna be some great footage, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully you take you t- take some birds down on camera, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least get some good points. At least if yeah. I get good points, I'll just edit it from that. Point. <laughs> Look yeah, at that any, point. Anything to be edited, exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, guys, uh, if if anyone wants to just follow along in this journey you're on, see your photos, your story, what you're doing, how what's the best way for them to keep up with you? Just Instagram. Uh, that's probably all we're at, um, other than the website. But that's still in the works. Awesome. Okay. Upland Arizona. Upland underscore Arizona. Love it. You got that, that awesome white, uh, white logo. Is that, is that, a, what bird is that on the logo? Uh, you got, uh, Merns oh, no, up, three, three got, of them. That's you right. You got a Merns up top to the left is a scaly and to the right. It's the gambles. Beautiful. Who, de- who designed that for you? Uh, my good buddy, uh, Luke, uh, designed it for, for me. He's out in New nice. Mexico. Oh, he right does on. great work. Right yeah, it looks awesome, guys. I love it. You did. You did nice. Or Luke did nice. He did too. <laughs> yeah, you did. You didn't do it. Luke did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, guys, uh, thank you so much. It was really fun uh, just getting to talk with you all and and hear a little bit of your your story and how you got started up on hunting and just hear more about uh, your dogs, your experiences, and a little bit more about Arizona. Thanks for having us, and you're doing a great job, man. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah, well, I'd like to say, you know, I've been hunting for a long time. And before your podcast, uh, Trace told me about your podcast early on. You, you, this guy just started. It got me into podcasts. So mm-hmm. I, I've listened to all yours. I mean, some of them, you know how it is. Sometimes you like 
but even like the one uh, we took a road trip and my wife was in there and we were listening to you all the way from Arizona to Mississippi. And she really dug the one with your wife on there. No, too. Nice. So, and then, and then your post with her at the Magnolia store, I just laughed my butt off, you know, it's like opening more opening weekend and all this stuff. So she, you have a beautiful family and thanks thank for having you. us. It's great. Thank yeah. you, Jimmy. I, I really so, appreciate that. Um, yeah, that, that Magnolia trip was, my wife was in her element. So <laughs> she looks just completely happy. Like it was, oh. like you said, you, you, you summed it up great. It was like opening morning, yep. man, you're ready. And she was just pumped. Exactly. So. And that, that, the picture you're referencing, I, that was, we just stepped on the property. We were there three <laughs> minutes <laughs> and she was, yeah. so yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Well, thank you guys. I, I appreciate that. And uh, really, really fun catching up with you guys. You're putting out great content. So I look forward to uh, definitely having you guys back on here soon. Okay. All right, man. Yep. Okay. Thank All right. You, you guys have a great, thank you. yep. Great night. Take care. Bye. Well, that's a wrap of episode 18 with Upland, Arizona. Jimmy, Josh, and Trace, thank you guys so much for your time. Uh, I really, really enjoyed uh, getting to know you three a little bit more, uh, talking bird dogs, Britneys, bashing pointing labs. Uh, yes, Jimmy, pointing labs, no, it's not a, not a thing. Uh, but thanks for doing this vest review as well. I cannot wait uh, to see your full review, see as you put these vests through their paces, and just uh, stay tuned with that. So uh, really exciting things to come from Upland, Arizona. Hey guys, don't forget, uh, please leave a rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, really helps get this podcast out to more hunters just like you. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast as well, share it on social media, uh, share it in your stories, make a post about it. I'll send you images if you need to, uh, but would love to, uh, to get this, uh, out there to more, more people, uh, who maybe have not heard of the podcast yet, uh, but would love to give them the opportunity. So guys, season's coming very soon. Keep doing something with your dogs, uh, get them ready, get them in shape, uh, keep them in shape, actually <laughs> keep those dogs ready to hit the prairies, uh, in under 30 days. So guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Until next week, if you're not fortunate enough to hunt with or own a Brittany, don't worry, because any bird dog is better than no bird dog. Go put some miles on those boots. Enjoy. Enjoy.